Welcome everyone to the Never Said Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. As me. Now, Grumpy, um, last podcast, we were going to be talking, we were actually talking pretty in depth about the CBA, uh, obviously, whether it was going to be agreed upon between the NHL and the NHLPA. I took a hard stance of no, that is not going to originally be agreed upon uh, between and amongst the two parties. Obviously, I was wrong because the NHL and the NHLPA have reached an agreement and they've signed a collective bargaining agreement. So I guess that is good news, Grumpy Old Man. Yeah. Um, it's a four-year extension, so we're going to have hockey for the next six years. Uh, that's the good news. Bad news for Islander fans is no compliance buyouts is what we talked about. And uh, this hurts bad GMs who have signed players to bad contracts. Uh, thank you, Lou Lamarillo and Garth Snow, for the bad contracts you've signed Islander players to in recent years. And now the chickens are coming home to roost, Bobby Boucher. Well, it also hurts teams that have have really locked up a lot of cap with certain players. I mean, even Kyle Dubas um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs are also in a tough spot. The San Jose Sharks are in a tough spot. There are a lot of teams that are in a tough spot right now, and they will be because, again, the no-compliance buyouts. Yeah, well, uh, Toronto, at least the guys that they have under contract are all young players who are going to contribute for years to come the guys under the islanders uh the islander contracts are not that's the big difference well i mean there's also another big difference toronto doesn't have any defensemen that actually play defense on their current roster and again with with no real money to be able to throw and entice free agents at or free agents with it's gonna be really tough to be a competitive club especially when you get into the playoffs Well, a lot of teams are going to be in the same boat, honestly, of being up against the cap. But if you have young players under contract, it's way better who who produce as opposed to old players who aren't producing. Uh, I'd rather take the young guys who do produce. And uh, that's the issue with the Islanders, honestly. You, we have four, we're probably going to have four under, four restricted free agents we have to sign this offseason, and he's going to have to do some financial gymnastics to get. Lou's going to have to do some financial uh, gymnastics to get underneath the cap. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and again, I'm sure we're going to be talking about that more, especially this offseason as things kind of unfold. Um, but I, I guess I kind of want to take a stance. I am not unhappy about the NHL and the NHLPA reaching the agreement. I first off want to say I'm thrilled about it. Uh, we're going to have hockey for six more years, and, and and again, I'm not complaining about that at all. I just kind of feel for the players. Um, and I know last time, and I've been talking with people on and off social media and everything like that, um, people are trying to say, yes, well, if you look at, you know, when you look and compare about how large of an industry the NHL is compared to like the NBA and the MLB, obviously we're definitely second fiddle. We're not as large of an industry. We don't gross as much. Um, so, I mean, it's not necessarily shocking to think that our cap would be lower than all those particular sports. Um, I will say this much. I think what the, what the players got in return for what is, you know, essentially a flat cap for two seasons and an increase by 1 million, the third year. Yikes. I, you know, I just kind of feel for the players a little bit for those players who are younger or even, you know, going to enter the prime of their career. Let's say they signed a bridge deal three or four seasons ago, and now they're entering the prime of their career. 
a lot of teams are cash strapped, so they won't be able to have the actual cap in order to, to sign one of these guys to the money they rightfully deserve. And for those guys who have busted it and have really shown what they can perform night in and night out, I feel a little bit for those guys. Yeah, well, like I said, it's owner protection. I mean, that's that's what the whole deal is about is owner protection, and the players did cave. I mean, I, I guess they looked at it this way. They looked at it as, well, at least it's guaranteed money. Yes. I guess that's the way they looked at it. Yeah, things things are going to be tight for the next three years, but we're going to uh, we're going to play. We're going to earn our salaries. I mean, I I have to think that's the way that they looked at it. And I would agree. And I understand that security and safety is obviously important. Um, but you know, long term, we have to go ahead. At least I have an optimistic outlook that hopefully, um, you know, COVID nineteen will subside a little bit and. We'll return back to a little bit of normalcy, uh, back to what life was before all this craziness in the pandemic hit. You know, you have to assume, at least I'm holding out hope that that might happen. I know there's some who don't, but I'm definitely one of the party that is hoping that is going to happen eventually. That we're going to have, you know, back where fans are going to be back in the stadiums and arenas and enjoying and the atmosphere is going to be back. Um, I will say this, grumpy old man, speaking about that, there have been a few players who've made the stance that are that are going to be, you know, qualifying for a playoff caliber team that will not be participating in this year's NHL playoffs. And I think most notably, that's Travis Hamannick. And I know Sven Berchi and Roman Polick, there are a few players, and I think Darcy Kemper, there are a few players who went ahead and determined that they are not going to go ahead and participate in this year's NHL playoffs. And again, it's their decision to make, but um, Travis Hamannick. Uh, and again, I, that honestly didn't really come as a shock to me. Yeah, I mean, anybody who, uh, you know, I I don't care what anybody does. Uh, they don't want to get paid. That's fine for whatever reason. Um, get that, You know, that's on them. That's fine. Well, and again, like I know, I think Travis Hamnick's daughter has a, an issue, uh, like a respiratory issue or something like that. And again, I, I'm not, anybody who doesn't want to play doesn't have to play. Um, but he also said, I think in the post, he said, you know, obviously it's important. He wants to keep his family safe and everything like that. But I think he also added in something where he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. And I think he was slightly mentioned that, you know, it's obviously a little worrisome. You know, if I were to come back after taking, you know, X amount of months off, if I come back and get hurt, obviously that could hurt my potential earning power. And I understand that, too. Well, the thing that's going to hurt him the most is the fact that there's going to be no increase in the salary cap. So, I mean, the limited, the buyers are going to, uh, here's what I'll say. The teams with a lot of cash can get well in a hurry. Because exactly. You're, like you're not going to have the Toronto's um, or the Pittsburgh's or, you know, the teams that usually throw big money at players. They're not going to be able to do that now because of, uh, um, you know, whatever uh, commitments that they already have to players on the roster. So, it's it's going to get teams like Detroit, teams like Ottawa, who are low in the who have low uh, low salary commitments going forward. They're going to really benefit. But you know, but here's the thing: are those teams going to go out and spend super uh, super high on players like that? No, because they're going to sell as well. You know, we only have this much cap space with the pandemic, blah blah blah. So, like I said, the whole thing was to keep player salaries down on the owners' part. I'm going to use this as a, a childhood analogy that hopefully everybody can relate to. Now, Grumpy, you used to play Monopoly back in the day, right? I did. I think most people, I think, play Monopoly at a certain point, even when they were kids. Now, the new Monopoly games, and I'm not sure how the old ones are, I, I know the new games allow you to bid on certain actual pieces. 
So you can buy the actual piece for, you know, the allotment, let's say you land on it and let's say um, University Parkway, let's say, you know, in this hypothetical, it's worth. Hold on. Hold on. Is there a University Parkway? In I think, and I'm going to be really embarrassed if there's not grumpy old man. I mean, um, if Park, Park Place was one. Park Place. That is it. And University yeah. Avenue. That I think that's it. No, University no, Avenue and Park Place. Was that no, oh, my gosh. You know, you're wrong. I mean, why am I not surprised? I'm um, trying. I'm trying to go with this boardwalk, whole analogy. And, boardwalk and Park Place. That's it. The two biggest properties. That's okay? it. That's it. And let's just go ahead. And I know, like the analogy, and I know how the game is played now is if you don't have the actual cash when you land on the actual location, it goes up to a bidding war between the rest of the players remaining. And you know, if you don't have the cash, obviously, to do that, and that's a team that they're cash strapped and don't have enough cap space, kind of like you know the Toronto Maple Leafs, the New York Islanders, the San Jose Sharks. The list goes on. But those teams that you know have that had available cap, I mean, they're going to get those players really on some sweetheart type deals. So, I, and again, like, I, and I understand you make the point of those those teams aren't close to competing, so maybe they won't go ahead and do that. If there are if there's a good percentage of players out there that can really help your club and your organization, I think it would be foolish of you not to take them on a cheaper deal because you can even use them as trade bargaining chips later on in the season because their value isn't affected based off of what their cap impact is. They're still going to, their value on the ice, let me correct myself. Their value on the ice will not be affected based off of how much they get paid cap wise. And if their value on the ice continues to perform at the level that they historically have been able to, and their cap is significantly lower than some of the other defensemen due to the cap restraints that there are now, they're going to be more valuable pieces. Okay, the bigger news is that in Monopoly now, if you don't land on it and somebody doesn't bid on something and somebody doesn't buy it, everyone else can buy it? Is that what they're trying to say? So, now, Grumpy, this is now – I have to go further back now. So when the pandemic originally hit, I bought an Xbox. I had not played video games probably in the better half of anywhere from like six to eight months. I had kind of weaned myself off. I didn't have one. And I purchased a game system. And my friends and I all decided to buy a cheap Monopoly game. It was like $10 online. So we're like, okay, it was like on sale. So we bought Monopoly. And that's how you play the game online. So if you don't have the actual funds to purchase the particular location that you land on, it goes up to bid for everybody else to purchase. And so whoever technically has the most money, you could bid as much as you want or as little as you want. But if there's a lot of teams that are cash strapped and a lot of other players you're playing with that don't have the funds in order to compete for that, you can essentially get a very, very valuable piece for very cheap. Okay. Uh, So what we've learned today is that TJ was a video game junkie who had weaned himself off, he'd cleaned up his act, so to speak. And then COVID-19 and, came and around. COVID-19 hit, and now he's back on the video games, purchasing online games. Purchasing online board games. Funny board how that games, Sad commentary. Um, it's interesting what we learn on the Never Say Die podcast. Now with someone who has never played uh any video games. Um, 
I find that distressing to hear, honestly. I didn't realize you could have an addiction problem like that with video Probably games. You have played video games. You had to at least play Pong or something like that or an arcade, an arcade game. I know you've played video games like a pinball or something, Grumpy. You've played video games. Don't yeah. give me that. Yeah, That's true, but I have not played Xbox. Certainly not to the extent where I was addicted, such as yourself. Uh, whoa, now we're making – you know, I, I don't are, think I was addicted – you, uh, I, I made that assessment just by listening to you. You you had every single um, descriptor that an addict has. Really? Uh, with the video games, yes. You even said that you know you broke yourself of the habit. You I weaned uh, myself off. You weaned yourself off. Uh, Self preservation. I understand. I didn't say any of that. Now you're putting words in my mouth, Crumpy. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious you had an addiction, like a junkie. And now you've cleaned up your act a little bit, which, I mean, that's good news. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, definitely making some assumptions there, grumpy old man. Okay. But, but yes, uh, I did want to get in the online board game. And I figured that that childhood analogy everybody can relate to. And, again, that's obviously a simplistic way of looking at it. But in the same token, those players that do still have talent, they're going to be, you know, unrestricted free agents. Um, the teams that do have that, that excess in available cap are obviously going to be able to take advantage of the market. So nobody could really predict that the cap would have stayed flat for another two years and only a one, $1 million increase the third year. But for those teams that, that do have a lot of cap space, they're really going to benefit from this. And they can right. really be viable trade trade suitors, and they're going to be able to, to gain a lot of either draft capital or talented players through free agency. Well, that's and particularly in trades. Uh, people with a lot of cap space can maybe get as well, like let's say the Islanders need to move Nick Letty now, right? which is a reasonable assumption without a compliance buyout. Um, another team is going to say, okay, we'll take on his salary, but you're going to have to give us, you know, a second round pick with him and we'll throw you a bag of pucks. Um, it's, it's all about clearing out cap space and salary dump. And, and the thing about, and I think about a guy like Nick Letty, Nick Letty is a talented defenseman. We've talked about him plenty of times on this podcast. No matter what team he's on, he's the top four defenseman across the league. That's pretty ubiquitous. But when you look at the situation now, Nick Letty could help a playoff caliber team and be a top four defenseman. But with all these teams that are now going to be up against the cap and the cap not increasing, their ability to be able to move something around to have that available cap space for Nick Letty is shortened. There's not as much availability for them either. So it's going to be more tough to move them to a real playoff competitor where you might be able to get some draft picks or be able to get a prospect of legitimate quality back in return where you might have to go ahead and look at one of those teams at one of those seller dwellers that have a lot of cap space that won't necessarily help them out a lot in the front end, but you won't get it anywhere near as favorable, favorable as a return as what you would have gotten before this CBA was signed and before COVID-19. Right. That's why anyone who listens to this podcast know I wanted to move Nicoletti last year. I mean, let's move. I think on. a lot. I think a lot of fans wanted to move Nicoletti last year. I mean, you move a guy when he has value, all right? He wasn't coming off a great year last year. Let's be honest, and I think he's played better this year. And Nicoletti still has value. Yeah, I mean, but now his value is less, just because that a team has to be able to take on a salary. Well, a lot of players' values are less. All right. those players that are tweeners where they might not be the best or superior player at a certain position, and it might be a guy who, you know, is, again, a top four defenseman, still nothing, you know, to turn your nose up at. But a guy like that would have gone for a lot before the CBA was signed and before COVID-19, where now uh, I think that is, it's, we're going to see that diminish a little bit. 
the value that they really have. Yeah, I think what we're going to see around the league is a lot more players who end up on long-term injury because you get full salary cap value uh, for the next year. So I think, you know, the Islanders have a couple of guys they could certainly utilize that out, and Lou Lamarillo has utilized that before with Toronto. So I think, you know, guys like Nick Letty or uh, Kamarov. Or well, maybe hold John on, hold on. Nick Letty, explain a little bit. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, not, I'm sorry, not Nick Letty. Andrew Ladd, uh, my bad. I was I was all hooked up on Nick Letty. I'm sorry. Andrew Ladd, uh, Leo Kamarov, maybe Johnny Boychuk. These are guys that could maybe be on long-term injury. Explain, explain a little bit about long-term injury, Grumpy, because I know a little bit about it, but uh, again, you say, have a better but, understanding. I want to make sure I'm getting getting the most accurate source here from our hockey expert. It, what it means is if a player goes on long-term injury at the beginning of the year and, you know, admittedly the teams will, uh, you know, a guy doesn't have to be fully injured where he's going to miss a whole year, but if he's, he can be injured at the beginning of the year, they can put him on long-term injured reserve for the whole year, and the team gets the full value of the cap savings. Whereas if you just send somebody down to the minors, you get, like I believe, a cap savings of just a little bit over a million dollars a year. So, And it's something that Lou Lamarillo has used in the past. And you can just bury a guy on long-term injury and get his cap value. And I think now, you're going to see that around the league. The Islanders, now correct me, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to mess up who it was, but I think the Islanders did that. Was it with Nikolai Kuhlman or Mikhail Gorobovsky? Or I think it was Kuhlman, wasn't it? They did that long-term injury, and they traded him away to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I know yeah. this is way back in machine, but I think that was accurate. I'm not 100% sure. It was Grabowski. It was Grabowski. Um, that's, and that's who they – they traded his rights, uh, so and a first round draft pick, and uh, other considerations to take uh, uh, Baruby, the goaltender, that the Islanders had no use in to protect Calvin DeHaan. And you know, but you, I mean, they're gonna, he's gonna have to do some gymnastics, like I mentioned earlier, to get underneath the cap. He's gonna have to, he's gonna have to move some players that maybe he didn't want to move, um, guys who have actual value to the team. So. I mean, that's going to happen. You want to keep your young guys who have low salaries, though. That's paramount, honestly. Well, yeah, and again, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's kind of odd. I'm happy, obviously, that we're going to have hockey secured for another six years and six seasons. But for a guy, let's say, who's 26 years old, entering the prime of his career, and I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent now. We talked about it. Those those teams that have a lot of available cap can obviously lowball a player a little bit more because there's not as many legitimate suitors out there for him or for a player of his talent. And for a guy that's 26 years old and the cap won't be increasing that much, I mean, what are your options? You can go ahead and sign another bridge deal for three seasons <laughs> and try to go ahead and retry your luck when you know, you're 29 years old, three years down the road. Or you could try to go ahead and maybe sign a little bit of a longer deal, but you're not going to earn potentially as much as you could have earned, obviously, before obviously the COVID nineteen and everything like that hit. Yeah, and it's the- unfortunate. It, I think it, it it's hurting everybody and it's hurting the players just as much as sure as it's hurting the league. Right, and the good news for the Islanders, they don't have any unrestricted free agents really who are worth. I don't think who are worth anything at this point in time. Um, you're looking at Broussard and Matt Martin and. Uh, Thomas Grice and uh, Tom Kunakel, guys like that. I mean, you know, they're just. They're Jags. Yeah. 
particularly the forwards. I mean, Thomas Grice is a good backup or a good 1A, if you will. But, I mean, hopefully with Sorokin coming in, you don't need Thomas Grice. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that I think was the grand plan. That's why he signed Varlamov to that. I mean, I thought a ridiculous deal, uh, considering how he's been played in recent years. But you know, that's what he did, and I think it was all part of the Sorokin plan. And hopefully, that pans out for us. And, and I was about to say, now we won't talk too much about Sorokin just solely because the podcast will be released on Monday, and technically, you could start signing those players Monday at I think noon, so twelve o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So, I, you know, hopefully by the time we podcast again, uh, Sorokin will have signed his contract and we can obviously talk about the white whale. We finally got the white whale. Well, uh, but that's, I guess, why we're abstaining from talking about that a little bit today, grumpy old man. Yeah, well, they also, I mean, that was the good news of the CBA is that those players are not out in limbo. So they can sign them where they can burn the last year of the entry level deal, which for Sorokin would be this season. He'd burn off his entry level deal, whatever the prorated value would be. Um, and he would be able to sign a restricted free agent contract for next year, the 2020-2021 season, which is what he wanted all along. So that was the good news coming out of the CBA. It's definitely good news for the Islanders. Right, And but the bad news is they have, I believe, uh, like a little bit over two days, like 53 hours, to get him signed to that entry-level contract. I mean, hopefully, Lamarillo has been in contact with his agent prior to this so the parameters are all knocked out and as soon as that window opens they should be able to make that signing i would hope because if it doesn't happen it's a colossal fail on his part yeah and again like we'll obviously be able to evaluate that when when that day actually does come by our next podcast um but yeah that definitely was a plus for the islanders and and i guess one 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 way we can look at this is maybe matt barzal would be more prone to sign a bridge deal just with the current environment and obviously the new CBA and, and the cap staying flat for two seasons and an increase of 1 million in the third year. I think a lot of these players like maybe even Ryan Pulak might be willing to sign a little bit of a bridge deal. I could see Devon Taves signing a cheaper deal as well. So, I mean, like there's, I'm trying to taper my expectations because it's never as bad as you think, and it's never as good as you think. So as we get a little closer to the off season, I'm sure we'll revisit as to what exactly Lou Lamarillo is doing. But you're right. He is going to have to do definitely some uh, financial wizardry uh, for for the New York Islanders organization. Yeah. And we knew that going in. I mean, uh, the educated among us saw this coming last offseason, honestly. We saw this coming even with the expectations of the cap increasing year after year. And obviously with this now, it's just (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> it's put a lot of general managers and a lot of organizations in some hard spots and players. It's really put, a, you know, it's, obviously we're talking about the scope of the NHL, but it's really put a, a lot of people in general across the world in hard spot. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what happens when you sign a bunch of old guys to long-term deals. I mean, you're seeing it firsthand and we're going to see it. The next couple of years are going to be tough financially, Uh, in respect to the cap for the Islanders. It just is. I mean, he's going to have to move some players that maybe he didn't want to move, that he considers part of the team. Uh, But like I said, if I was him, I I would not move any of the young players with cost certainty. Absolutely not. You have to move the guys who, I mean, a Josh Bailey, a a Jordan Eberle, 
guys like that. Anders Lee. I mean, I don't. I mean, I hate how you put Josh Bailey's name out there first every single as, time. No, but oh as somebody gosh. as somebody that you that you have to consider moving, who you perhaps would not have considered earlier. You know, That's again, I'm going to echo this every single time. But grumpy old man, Jean Gabriel Peugeot is going to be making five million dollars a year as a third line center. But there's you no. Know, way you but don't you don't have room him. you don't have room to be paying fourth line centers like Casey Sezikis three point five or three point two five million and then a third line center like Jean Gabriel Pajot five million dollars a year especially when the cap is staying flat virtually for the next three years. Okay, but there's no way he's going to move uh, JG Pajot. There's no way. Not I know. I, I know. I know. It's not one particular player. It's unfortunate because we've tied up this cap to many different older players. It's not like we tied it up to one in particular player or one player moving will solve the issue. That's not the case. There's right. a whole bunch of different scenarios where multiple different players have to be moved and jostled around. So it's not like there's one particular player. I'm just saying it's not always the Josh Bailey and the Jordan Everly's and the Anders Lee's. There are other situations too, right? And again, like – the Islanders are one of the few teams that pay a fourth line center $3.25 million a year in Casey Zizekas. And I like Zizekas. I think he's a very talented player, but he's still a fourth line center. Jean Gabriel Peugeot, third line center, $5 million a year coming up. Right. But what my point was I mean, is anyone going to trade for a Cal Clutterbuck at $3.5 million a year at his age? No. He's only got one year left, thank God, though. Okay. But he's, but he's not tradable. Johnny Boychuk's not tradable. Uh, you have to look at guys who perhaps you could. Would- well, in order to trade a guy like Johnny Boychuk and Kyle Clutterbuck, you have to go ahead and sweeten the deal with you know either draft picks and draft capital, which we don't have a lot of, or prospects that have value, which again we're pretty we're pretty slim picking unless you're looking at the defensive side of the puck. Right, and so- that's my point in bringing up the Eberleys, the Baileys, the Lees. These guys are still productive, and that you might want them to be part of your team. Uh, I mean. I- Josh Bailey's cap hit of five million per, even though it's for a number more years, is not onerous, you know. Obviously, and he's still producing. That's a guy. I mean, Nick Letty's the same thing, right? I mean, he's still producing, but you're going to have to look to move guys like this just to get underneath the cap. I mean, these guys that they the organization obviously does not want to move. They're going to have to reconsider now based on the financial constraints that they're looking at for the next few years. And you have to hope and think that Lamarillo, you know, as as much as people like, you know, to think the Islanders are family and community and organization like that, I think they are. But in the same token, it's a business. And it's about winning hockey games and winning Stanley Cups. You have to think Lou Lamarillo already has a plan of to who he's looking to move or trying to move this offseason and how he can try to free up a little bit of cap space. You have to think that he's already on top of the ball in that regard, or you at least would hope that he is. Right. You would hope that he is. And I just think he's there's a lot of heavy lifting that he's going to have to do in the next few months uh, after the season ends. I mean, and he should be working on it now, honestly. Well, I can tell you one thing: they can they can skip worrying too much about the NHL draft because we've almost avoided all the the, <laughs> the higher the higher the earlier picks in this year's draft. So I guess they can redivert some of that that attention into how they could uh, creatively rid themselves of some of this cap. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're going to see. I mean, you know, would it be the, I think they have a greater chance of getting the first pick in the draft than they do of winning the Stanley Cup at this point. Right? It's, it's a 12.5% chance. You have eight teams who are vying for the number one pick overall, whoever the first, the eight teams that are eliminated out of the uh, play in round of the playoffs, so to speak. One of those teams is going to have the first pick in the draft. 
Yes. And that could solve a lot of problems, you know, if you get, uh, you know, the number one pick. Yes, it definitely could. It could definitely help out a lot. Um, but Grumpy, I, I know this is a little bit of a shorter podcast, um, but is there anything else you wanted to say before we kind of wrap things up? No, I like I said, I'm just excited for uh, training camp opening up this week. Monday. Up. Opening Monday, up on Monday. Right, tomorrow. Um, and then the NHL, the Islanders start off on August 1st against the Florida Panthers at 4 o'clock. I'm excited for that. I mean, it's not that long away. It's not that far away. And we're going to be back to having hockey. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do. And I, I matter of fact, I think Toronto and Edmonton are the two hubs. They've agreed on those two. Yes, they are. Um, and it'll be interesting. I'd like to see them do something like they've done in uh, European soccer, uh, particularly in the Spanish league, where they put uh, like a digital fan base in there with uh, kind of like a crowd noise pumped in. I think that would be the wise thing to do, honestly. I was initially all geeked up for the no crowd noise to listen to what everybody's saying on the ice. But I will say that uh, I've come around to the thinking of putting the fake fans in there and uh, a little bit of crowd noise. I think, that I think honestly, the more normal that you could have it, the better it would probably be. Mm -hmm. Well, again, like I don't – if they were able to mic up the players and actually let us hear what they actually were saying, that'd be fine. But if you if you watch a lot of those international games, I think like even the under 18s, the under 20s, the crowds are not crazy at a lot of those tournaments, and it's very quiet. You hear you know a lot of a lot of the back and forth and everything like that. So you know that's I, I would agree having the fan noise in there. They're doing that across all the leagues in soccer, English Premier League, the Spanish league. So I think that's probably the way the NHL should go. And if honestly, if they want to get uh, where there's no crowd noise, they could just do that at the like when the Islanders played the Panthers and the Panthers the home team because nobody ever goes to those games anyway. So it would be nice and quiet, and then you get to hear the players play with those uh, Islander Panther games when it's in the Panthers' home stadium, so to speak. Mm -hmm. like that arena, um, yeah. But I'll, I'll say this much: it's nice that we're going to have hockey. I think it's like scheduled out to have six games a day. Um, that will be nice, and it's going to be, for the most part, all day, running from about 12 or five games a day, Grumpy Old Panther? I believe it's five games a day. Okay. I thought it was six. doesn't matter. Um, it's going to be a lot of hockey every single day, and we're going to have that from about noon on average every day until probably you go to bed. So, you know, you can't really complain that we're going to have hockey readily available to us all day, every day. Uh, that is definitely a sight for sore eyes. I, I hope the NHL takes advantage and finds a way to – work out a deal with one of these bigger broadcast channels where it could be televised to the larger public. Well, NBC, NBC has the rights, um, you know, NBC sports. And I, I have to think that these games are going to be on NBC. There, there is no uh, sports content going on on NBC. I know they play English premier league soccer. Um, but I mean, you have to think that fans are starving for this. And I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna see the games on NBC and NBC Sports. Well, I was about to say, if you're able to televise the majority of these games all day, you're opening yourself up to possibly a newer sect of, of of potential fans, and you know that could help also fill a little bit of the gap that you've lost here uh, due to the you know the loss in the ticket sales from COVID nineteen and everything like that. And again, it's not just solely ticket sales. Your concessions, you know, your parking, your and it, Everything that encompasses that, you know, hotel rooms around that area. There's a lot of different things. 
but it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, who what what their TV schedule looks like, and I'll be interested to see as that comes out and rolls out as we get closer to the actual August first start date. Yep, I can't wait. I'm super pumped. I know. I am as well, grumpy old man, but thank you so much for being a part of the podcast as always. And thank you so much to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow us to post this podcast on all different platforms. Anywhere you listen to your podcasts, whether it's uh, Stitcher, uh, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to your podcast, or even Spotify too, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. So thank you so much to them, and thank you also, grumpy old man. My pleasure as always.